welcome you all into episode 23 of Trojan Talk. This is exactly episode 23. We had a little mix-up. thought last week was 23. Last week was actually 22. But we're here for episode 23 with uh, Cole Purvis and Jeff Christianberry. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Well, we're going to start off by uh, talking some boys lacrosse. They had a win last night, 15-4 to uh, versus Marshwood. Uh, Jeff, you and I uh, announced that game, and, and you know TA gets another win. They're seventh of the season. They've had a great start. Uh, what have you seen from that boys lacrosse team? Well, obviously the scores speak for themselves. They're beating up on the, the, the weaker teams, I guess. Marsh was a Class B team, so yesterday's result's not a big, not a, a big surprise. And it's interesting, boys across right now, just in a macro sense, seems to be, again, very segmented. You know, you look at the North, Class A North, and, um, you know, they, they you know we've talked a little bit about football doing these kind of tiered different uh, classes and playing teams from other states, and lacrosse is not there yet, but getting there. I mean, I, I, I've hear, heard that, you know, in the North, Falmouth is – by far the best team in Class A North, and we saw TA beat Falmouth four to one. There's like, no, it, like all the good teams are in the South, and it's been like that for a few years now. And so the problem is you get a team like Falmouth who doesn't really get tested much throughout the regular season, except for when they do crossovers, mm-hmm. and they kind of waltz into the state championship game. Nothing, I mean, nothing they could do about it. It's not their fault. But um, as we see now, in in in, in general, you really have TA Cape, Falmouth, and maybe one other team who's mm-hmm. decent, and the rest. Are just blowout games. Yep. So, so as you can see, you know, lacrosse right now is kind of uh, in, in an odd place. And good for TA, mm-hmm. they're they're getting wins against these teams. But I mean, it doesn't really help uh, Thornton Academy to go out and win twenty to nothing or or fifteen four yesterday, where they basically scored it well for most of the game. So, I mean, they they can only do what they can do. And looking strong right now. I mean, again, the eye test. I don't know if they have as 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 good of a skill team as they've had in the past of their state championship years. Um, certainly they've scored a lot, but when it gets down to, I guess we'll see, you know, next next Friday night will be a huge matchup against Cape, blackout game that will be bro- that will be, we will be broadcasting, mm-hmm. and that'll really be the, the test. But the problem is, is that going to be the only tough game they're going to play all year until they play Cape and maybe in the regional final? And yeah. it's tough. It's a short season, too. They only play 12 games, so we're already almost halfway through that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, they already had that one loss to South Portland, which, from what I heard from the players, was an unfortunate loss. It's a game you, you would like back. They lost in um, overtime, right? It was 11. I know it was yeah, 11 it was, it was close. Yeah. It was a close game. Yeah. Um, but you know they, they beat Falmouth 4-1. to That was a team that they lost to a couple of times last year. And so it's this Cape game, and, and I know that this team, that's been what they've been working towards all year. And so hopefully it'll be a good game. Last time they were at uh, Hill Stadium, it was uh, a blowout for, for Cape. So, yes, it was. Uh, I, w- I hope it'll be a little bit different, especially with the, the, the blackout game. But uh, – now we'll talk about some girls lacrosse starting the season two and three. Not maybe the start they wanted. Uh, they win their first one versus Portland, then three losses to Scarborough, Marshwood, and Matspisic, and they beat South Portland uh, last Friday. You know, pretty good start for the girls lacrosse team, as you said. Not a lot of games in a season. You know, the only I think they only have six home games, twelve in total. So uh, this girls lacrosse team is hopefully gonna, you know, get some wins. I know we have some broadcasts later up in the year, but uh, what does that girls lacrosse team have to do to? To get closer to a well, it's tough because I don't. I, again, I, I think the playoffs are pretty much everyone's in again. Mm-hmm. I think they're doing that again. Yep. Um, so it's not really worried about playoff positioning as much. Um, you know, girls lacrosse. It's such a, it's such a interesting sport because you really need a couple dominant offensive players. Like because mm-hmm. the way the rules are, where you really can't make any physical contact. If you can get a, if you can get a girl or two who can weave her way through the circle and score. You know, it's it's about agility, it's about speed, and not only just a shot. It's it's it's. I guess it's 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 not as much. In a boys' game, it's really about the the shot, is the placement, and the speed. Yep. And the girls' across, it's really about the the placement more than anything else, because mm-hmm. so many of the times they're scoring from within ten feet, ten yeah. to fifteen feet, because of the way that the you know the rules are. If you get close to, close and you get hit, then you get a free free position attempt, which is how a lot of the goals are scored. 
Um, so when you when you don't have that, um, and possession is also really key as well because when you when you when you can't be as physical, you know, we've yep. seen boys across. I mean, you can whack them with your stick and they can lose the ball. In girls lacrosse, a lot of it is more about unforced errors. Yep. And if you if you're facing against a team like when they face Marshwood, I saw a little bit of that game um, last week. Um, or Marshwood just has such great possession. There's really so much you can do. You know, yep. you can try to intercept a pass. You can really pressure them to make a mistake. Other than that, though, it's really difficult. So, you know. What what is you know them going forward? We'll have to see. I haven't seen them in a full game in person yet, so it's tough to make yeah. a, a real call on that. The two and three is not the best record in the beginning, but you know it's a long. It, it, they still have at least half their season remaining, and and girls across is kind of funny that way. Sometimes on any given day, you play really good defense, and your goalie comes up with a few huge saves, and anything yeah. can happen. Yeah. Well, quickly, we'll we'll ask Cole here. Cole is a, a player on the boys' tennis team. We'll ask him how tennis <laughs> has been doing. I know they uh, had some pretty good matches, but we'll, we'll get that update from Cole been going pretty well we're five and oh we had a good win versus falmouth yesterday um they have a really good team but the big test is going to be kenny bunk which is coming up mm-hmm. at home next week kenny bunk has only lost one match all season they've won 5-0 pretty much every match except for one uh we have a really good singles player terry ma he's been really good for us and um doubles as well have been great uh we just have a really deep team um a lot of kids swinging from JV and varsity, so it's been fun to see a lot of kids get some opportunities. Mm. Uh, and we have some really good chemistry this year, and I think we can go far. I think the team is a little better than last year. We have a lot more depth, and we have Terry coming in as a freshman. So I think we can go a long way, but Kenny Bunk is the real test, and that's next week. Well, so you talked about lacrosse, and tennis is interesting too. I mean, tennis, you, you, I mean, we saw a match last week. We were kind of joking, like, you guys didn't even play. Like yeah. down in the doubles because the team only had three players. Yeah, and that's like, the case with some schools like Bonnie Eagle, Sanford, but most of them have enough kids. But but uh, even even when they have enough kids, they barely have enough kids. Like I was watching a girls' tennis match. I won't say who it was against last week, and it was just like the competition was just not there. I mean, yeah. all of our girls won basically six zero six zero, and it's just it's interesting. I don't know. Tennis is such a weird sport like that because you do have a few really cream of the crop teams at the top and even years that ta tennis hasn't had those great players they've still won most of their matches 5-0 you know not almost not losing any games and they get to you know falmouth or, or kenny monk and you know it's a 50 50 game so it, it's interesting it'd be interesting to see the stats on it and see the participation rates and maybe that's part of it yeah um but as it's noticed in ta tennis both boys and girls for years has just been cruising through the regular season now not winning many state championships which is you know yeah, it's, it's fine but last year they lost they lost Kenny Bunk beat us in everything last, yeah. last spring pretty final. much yeah right yeah. but it's like until then it was almost like wasn't even close like yeah. no matches so it's 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 one of those things it's, it's uh you know for the for the players I'm sure it's nice to win but I mean you want to play right I mean it's not like yeah. you want to go show up and be like oh we don't have enough people so yeah. you get to play against your your teammates or whatever so interesting you know again we talking about the participation in, in the future and some of these programs just don't have the kids right now mm-hmm. in tennis yeah well to finish up some ti sports we'll talk about some baseball baseball is six and one right now and uh the big news was cody belker who uh is uh, committed to georgetown for next year threw a perfect game in was it five five innings six, six innings six, six innings. innings perfect game yeah and uh if you don't know perfect game is harder to do than a no hitter it's basically means that no uh runner from the opposing team made it to first base which is pretty crazy um that's just I, I can't even like I'm trying to imagine a high school team doing that. I just don't think it's possible. But they did it. Uh, TA's having a, a great year so far. That loss to Westbrook was uh, unfortunate, but uh, from what I heard, it was uh, it was on prom, so some kids weren't as <laughs> focused as they might need have needed to be. But let's not let's not dismiss that. That means they're mentally weak. They're thinking about something else other than baseball. 
But, uh, yeah, a good team. I know that uh, their biggest challenge is going to be South Portland, who they lost to in the playoffs last year. They played them uh, today, actually, I believe. So that will be a good game uh, for Thorne Academy. But we'll keep an eye on them. We want to welcome in Alex St. John for our quick interview here. We'll start. Thank you for coming in for Alex. Start off by asking you, what has it been like for you this year being a senior captain on the lacrosse team? Uh, you know, it's great. Uh, last year, I was a captain, but junior, so things have changed this year. <laughs> uh, the other captains are great. Uh, you got Colby, Ronan, Cole. Cole was a captain for football, Ronan for soccer, Colby for hockey. <laughs> uh, I think it couldn't be better. We just got a great group of guys. Yeah. Uh, what are the feelings for you and the team as well going into uh, the highly anticipated Cape game uh, next week? Uh, we're very excited. Um, Cape's a great team. Uh, it's a blackout game, so those are always fun. Um, and this year I feel like it's really anyone that could take it all the way because mm -hmm. uh, everyone's kind of similar, but we're super excited. It's going to be a good game. Yeah. So you are a very versatile athlete. You can play both offense and defense. You've seen it, we've seen you do it this year. Uh, if you had to choose or, or just uh, pick one, which do you enjoy playing more? Which one's more fun to play in a game? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, it's fun to score goals, uh, but I got to say defense. I like uh, just beating people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got to go defense. Yeah. What are you, you know, you're going to uh, High Point University next year to play lacrosse. What are you looking most, uh, what are you most forward, looking forward to next year? Oh, uh, just a new atmosphere. I've been down there a few times and I've loved it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just excited to see something new. Yeah. And the last question here, what is your favorite thing about uh, Coach Ryan Hersey? Uh, probably the fact he makes practice fun. Uh, yeah. You know, some coaches are super hard on everyone. And I mean, he is, he he gets on us a lot about fundamentals and all that kind of stuff, but he also makes practice fun, which I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. We want to thank Alex for coming in again for that quick interview. And now we want to move over to the professional side of sports. We'll start with the Celtics game four last night. So the Celtics got a big win, 116-108. to 108. Uh, I know we were talking you know, during that game, texting a little bit, talking about the game, but I first just want to get your guys' overall thoughts on games three and four series tied 2-2. What do you think? Uh, crazy couple games. Um, obviously, a lot of talk about the officials. I'm not interested in talking about officials. Um, I, could, <laughs> I, I could certainly point out, you know, situations on both teams where I mean, this is an incredibly difficult series to referee. I would not yeah. want to do it. I mean, exactly. my God, if you look at, I mean, take, obviously Giannis on one end, okay. Then on the other end, you look at guys like Jalen Brown. I mean, he takes the ball and he bowls to the hoop. I yep. mean, first of all, do you want to get in front of that? I sure wouldn't and try to take a charge and. You get some hard fouls one way or the other. The teams obviously don't like each other that much. So I'll let Cole talk about the officials more. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to say, I mean, look, last night it did not look great for the Celtics late in the third quarter, down by 10. The whole game is basically the Bucks are go up by 8 or 10. The Celtics come back and tie it and then, you know, back and forth. Uh, and then, you know, the fourth quarter you look at, I, I don't know the exact stat, but, you know, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, and Jason Tatum were something like 15 to 17 from the field. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand how Al Horford's doing it. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this where a player at his age is – and has been pretty mediocre for years. A decent player, but not scoring 30 points in a, in a huge playoff game on the road. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it's coming from. I mean, it's great for the Celtics. And if he plays like that, they're going to win the finals. I mean, pretty much. I think the series is over. Mm -hmm. um, they got two or three games in Boston. I mean, the Bucks have shown to be 
you know, I mean, Giannis is incredible, but the other guys are just not. They don't. They okay, Drew Holiday's been pretty good, but they don't have like a third guy that can come up. I don't think they have someone like Al Horford. Like Robin yeah. Lopez is, or uh, Brook Lopez is going to come out and score thirty points. Yeah. Or you know, you look at last night, Grayson Allen on the first play of the game goes in for a layup. I don't think he scored the rest of the game or barely did. So yeah. they don't have that third guy. Obviously, they're missing Middleton hugely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Celtics again. I'm, I'm going to point this out again. The Celtics missing Robert Williams didn't really affect him. You know, like yep. all this whole series and all these series we've seen. You know, Robert Williams has been out. Marcus Smart's been out on the Bruins side. McAvoy's been out. Lindholm's been out. And all those teams have won pretty much every game that yeah. those guys have been out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just interesting how everybody, every else, everybody else steps up. But coming back to Boston, I think you know Boston definitely game five and then six. I think I don't know. I just see I see the Celtics at least at winning in seven. I can't I can't fathom losing another home game yeah. the way the Bucks are playing right now. But uh, I mean, it's just it, it was an incredible you know performance in the fourth quarter. That's just all you got to say about it. They scored yeah. like forty points in the fourth quarter last night. Well, cool. first of all. I'm pretty sick of the Celtics playing because I talk to multiple Celtics fans on a daily basis. You know who you are that (laughs) that complain about the refs and how they're screwing the Celtics before the game even starts. It's like they've it's like they've already predetermined that the refs are bad. I hear people, you know, oh, Tony Brothers is refing tonight. We're we're screwed like this. This always happens. And it's the same thing with Scott Foster. Celtics fans just hate every official. And I mean, it's the playoffs. There's going to be a 50-50 call on every other possession, mm-hmm. especially when Giannis is on the other side. And do you not want Giannis to use his strength at all? I mean, he's he's a tank. Sure, he he takes some he gives some charges once in a while, definitely. There were a couple missed calls, but for the most part, I think Giannis's strength is just it, it's not as illegal as people think. And um I think the Celtics are a little too jumpy and undisciplined sometimes, and that's why they're fouling they're, they've just been super over aggressive and um i think celtics fans need to take that into account as well that maybe um they need to just lighten off of Giannis a little bit i know it's tough but i mean credit to them they did pull out a big one last night horford really put this team on his back and tatum did have a quiet 30 it seemed like tatum was struggling but you look at the box score and he had i believe 30 points so um but he had a play too you mentioned the i mean he had a play last night in the fourth quarter where he bowled into the lane and ran over somebody of the Bucks, and they called the they called the block. And I was thinking like, okay, well, Celtics fans are mad about that one. You know, like it's the same exact play that Giannis does, and they should do it. I mean, if they're calling it that way, then he should yeah. he should be more aggressive on there. So, I first of all, one thing about Giannis, I mean, he's a great player, but it should be illegal for him to take three pointers. Like, <laughs> what in the world is he doing? They had the stat he was like fourth, he's like fourth twenty eight in the playoffs, and he jacked up three of them, I think, in the first half. And as I think it was uh, Van Gundy who was on the broadcast was like, it's just free possessions. You're just giving the Celtics possession when you kind of sit to the top of the key. I mean, the Celtics should literally back off and give him 10 feet if he wants to shoot a three-pointer. But it's the same thing as, like, Bobby Portis. I don't think Bobby Portis could shoot a three, but when he's playing well, he can, like, in that in that Bulls series, in the first series, like, there was one game where he just, he went up, shot a three, he hit it, and then he went up, shot another three. And when he's on, when those players are on, they're hitting those shots. Yeah, but he hits they don't one, have but, a lot of them. Like, Connaughton yeah. is, Connaughton is not a good shooter. He oh, he's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Bucks that, fan, he's got to be, because he did yeah. the same thing in game three. He pulled a Peyton Pritchard and shot like that game almost turned for the Bucks because he shot like three yes. threes on three straight yep. possessions and clanked them all. Connaughton and Peyton Pritchard, they, yeah, that's a good yeah. comparison. They remind yeah. me of each other. Yeah. Same thing with uh, I forget. Oh yeah, Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen. I like Grayson. He's a Duke guy. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those are guys they have to put in though for Middleton. That's when you I know, know right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But the one thing I got to say though on Cole's point is the one call in this whole series that I can't get over. Is the game three no call on the Marcus Smart three point? Oh, I can, I can. No, that, is, that if you is. Look, if you look, his feet, clear. by the way, are pointed at oh. the scores table. He's not yes. even. 
He hundred percent did not start in, the motion until he no. got in four seconds. In four, you're telling me, you're you telling me crazy. that the Boston Celtics with four seconds to go wanted to run a play for Marcus Smart from three point land. Exactly. No, he knows that. But he, that, but that's not that's not what he, you make a call on. He though, came right? around the street. He shot it after he got fouled. Okay. It's the it's the exact play that the NBA's not wanted because all these superstars have done the same thing. As soon as they, it's not even the, until they get contact when they can sniff the contacts coming, then they go into this you know flailing arm arm motion, and I don't think it's good for the game. Yeah. So I mean, look, if they would have called the three point three pointer, it's not like that was a 50 50 call. Like it was close enough. Yeah. Like if they would have done it both, but like th- for, that's exactly the play that people don't want. And when when Durant does that against the Celtics and others, it's like, oh my gosh, why do they? Why don't they take this out of the game? And Smart does it, of course. It's it's yeah. It's, and how do you know Smart's going to make three free throws in the Celtics? That's true. That's true. It was a one point game though, right? No, no it, was, it was two points. They were down by three. They were down by, no, they were yeah, down three. Yeah, they're down three. So yeah. Smart would have. At yeah. best, tied it, and how do you? Know I think win I think this got to be a call. But a lot of things would have had to happen. Uh, it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't matter. And he missed anymore, a three. And, and honestly, I was listening last night, uh, watching the uh, going back through that game. Celtics had two possessions when they were up by one with the ball, with under two minutes to go in that game, and missed two threes. One was Marcus Smart. One was Jalen Brown. They hit one of those shots, and that whole play at the end doesn't doesn't matter. So, yeah. and look, they're they're two two. If you would have given given them an option for a split when they went to Milwaukee, they would have taken it. So now they have. Total control of the series, and I assume Rob Williams will be Just back. Just stop making excuses. That's all I ask. I mean, they'll I, make excuses all the way to the finals. They'll win the finals. They'll be like, wow, he did it in spite of the rest. Yeah, we should have won by uh-huh. more. Like <laughs> That's what happened with the Nets in game four. Exactly. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. All right. Well, one more Celtics topics. I was thinking about this. Let's just pretend for a second that the Celtics go to the finals. I don't think they're going to have any trouble with the 76ers or no. the Heat. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, who, you know, I know Cole's got his pick with the Warriors because he's a Warriors fan. But who do you think the Celtics should be most afraid of to play in the finals? The Suns, the Mavs, the Warriors, the Grizzlies. The only reason I put the Mavs or the Grizzlies in there is because the series, to me, isn't really over for either. No, I get that. I mean, I definitely think the Warriors, I mean, the way that they're playing, I, I don't I don't fear the Mavs or the Grizzlies at all. I mean, maybe in a game or two, like John Moran could take over if the Grizzlies somehow win that series, which they're not. That one's over. <clears throat> the Mavs Suns series, I'm surprised it's close. Um, the Suns, I mean, you've seen Chris Paul have some up and down games in the playoffs, yep. but I just see, you know, I take all of it into account. I take the how how the road games would be. That's why I'm not worried about Miami because that is not an atmosphere the Celtics would have to worry about at all yeah. if they end up playing the Heat. I think it's I think it's the Warriors the way that they're playing right now. They're super physical team on the inside. Draymond Green. Talk about foul calling. Imagine what that series is going to be like with Draymond Green, you know, and and Robert Williams and and Marcus Smart banging in, in, inside. <laughs> I can't nuts. wait. Um, and of course, you know, I think I think they're easily the most talented team in the West. So I think Celtics Warriors would be a great finals, and that's who they should be most worried about. I think if they play the Mavs or Grizzlies, it's a four or five game series. The Suns could be a six game series mm-hmm. as far as Celtics win, and then the Warriors a total toss up. The Warriors are a championship team, and people are making Memphis out to be a weaker second round opponent, but they're not. The Warriors are making them look weak because they're absolutely dominating them. And Memphis went twenty and five without John Morant this season, so they're no regular scrubs. season. Yeah, but they're no scrubs without John Morant. And, they, are. Um, they are scrubs without John Morant. They just have championship DNA. They see that. That's my point. You I mean, can't, I'm a casual NBA fan. You got, you got John Morant and Jaron Jackson. Everybody else is a, De- mid, is Desmond, a mid-tier Desmond player. Desmond Bain. Mid, they're all mid-tier Desmond, players. They're Desmond too Bain young. They don't know how to play. I wouldn't even know if he walked in right now. I wouldn't know who he was. Yeah. I don't know. I I think casual. How about this? How about this? I think the Warriors. He's a great shooter. They've played well against Joss so far, but last night's win, I I'm not gonna sit there as if I was Warriors. What do you want them to do though? They're playing who's in front of them, and they're beating these teams. They beat the Nuggets in five games. They'll probably beat the Grizzlies in five or six games. But these third quarter runs are back. This is a scary Warriors team. And Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole has been impressive. We'll see how how long they can ride the wade with him. I think Jordan Poole's been. He he started off well. I think he's starting to 
fall nah, back. I, I, he, I he had his first off night last night. He had 27 in game three and I think 14 last night. But um, I don't want to play. Draymond, I don't want to play the Warriors. Draymond might be pass, passing better than anybody in the NBA right now. Steph would not be even close to what he is if it weren't for Draymond. He sets up everything for that offense. Everybody wants to talk about his defense, but mm-hmm. he is such a great passer. Really, one of the most underrated passers in the NBA. And uh, they can close a game not just offensively but defensively. They did that in Game One, stopping John Morant on a great read by Clay Thompson to pick him up as he was driving to the hoop. And then last night, Draymond Green blocks, uh, I believe it was Jaron Jackson, on mm. a three-point attempt. So they're closing these games out on both sides of the ball, which is really impressive, just the way that they've been able to take care of business in the fourth quarter. They're the favorites for me to win it all. Is um, John Morant a long-term superstar in the NBA? Yeah, he shouldn't I, have gotten most improved player. I don't think he's the MVP, yeah, but no. he, that, the, really in five years, is he still going to be? I feel like he's going to be one of these guys in two or three years. I don't know if it's going to be injuries or what. I mean, the way he plays is so he's crazy. Like the he's Lamar on a, Jackson of the NBA. That's true. I, I could, like. Yeah, yes, it's a good comparison. Is. But, like, one more thing. Like, if let's just say the Celtics play the Warriors. What do the Celtics change on defense? I don't think the Warriors have any interior scoring compared to what, like, we're playing against the Bucks right now. So how do they check? Well, I think it's a decent matchup for the Celtics because could because guys like Marcus Smart and, and Jalen Brown can defend on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if, if you if you said me right now, what would that series be? I'd say Warriors and probably six. You know, just be, just the way the teams are playing. I mean, if the Warriors are playing at is again, you have to assume if they're both teams are playing at their best, then the Warriors are a better team. I mean, they're yes. just better in er, almost at every position. I don't agree. You don't I, agree. I, I mean, you get Clay right. Thompson, think, Steph Curry, I think, that the Warriors, I think the Warriors have a good chance of winning that, but I think at everyone playing at their best, including the bench, the the Celtics are way better. I know the bench but, is but, really that but great. But the, the Celtics, Celtics, the Celtics can't. They can't all. The Warriors' play. bench includes Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney, Jonathan Kaminga. They've had a great bench. Who that? Who who is Kevin Looney? Oh, Kevin Looney's good. He, yeah, he's won a lot of games. Steve Kerr said it. He's won a lot of games for them in the past. He's Thanks. been he gives them quality minutes. Is Steve Kerr out with COVID going to hurt the series at all? It didn't hurt last night, I guess. But no, I don't think so. Mike Brown, yeah. shout out to him. He got a job with the Kings. Why would you want to go to the Kings? <laughs> money, money, money. Yeah. He's not going. Yeah, anywhere. that's exactly the reason. All right, we'll talk about the Bruins real quick. They they lose the first two games of the series to Carolina. It looked bad, but hey, they won the next two at home. Uh, but the question I have for you guys, so you know. This, you know, the Bruins are playing better at home. Carolinas are playing better at home. In any sport, in any situation, is the home advantage aspect of the game is that is that really a factor? Do you guys think that's a real thing? Do you think it's just sometimes it's coincidental that you know a team plays better at home? I think uh, there are a couple sports. I mean, I think in the sports that it actually affects the game. Yes, like in baseball, obviously you have the last ups. I don't think the crowd has much to do with it in baseball. It's more about the and the ballpark, the positioning. Yeah, true, the ballpark because they're yeah. all different. I think um, honestly, in, usually in hockey, I don't think it makes a difference. But in this series, I think it does. I think every home team is going to win. I think the home team is going to win every game in this Bruins series mm-hmm. because the last whole last change thing, which I would always think is such an overrated thing, but the way that the Bruins are setting up their lines and the way that that Carolina has kind of set up their defense. You saw in these last two games that when Bruins can control the matchups on the ice, they're making a lot better plays. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm really fascinated to see if Bruce Cassidy keeps the perfection line out there tonight because if you do, you're going to be facing Carolina's either you know the, the exact matchup pretty much on every play that, that, that Carolina wants, which yep. is why in the first two games they were really ineffective. So, um, yeah, I think the, the, again, the, whole, the whole series changed uh, in two, two places. One was a shorthanded goal in game three. Yep. Um, I forget who scored that. Um, Coyle. Coyle, yeah. Because I was like, it was one, it was a one nothing Carolina end of the first period. Same, like, same situation, like we gave up an early goal. It looks like we're not going to be able to come yeah. back. And, and then, then last, and yesterday, uh, no, two days ago, it was obviously the whole situation at the end of the second. I know we argued about it about whether that was really a penalty for interference or not. 
either way, that was a game changing. When I when he challenged it, I don't know the rule that well, so I'm like, Brindamore better you better be sure about this because that changed the whole game. And then that Aho um, penalty probably doesn't happen. Uh, you don't you know you can't just assume that it's going to happen if mm-hmm. that that call that they're not on a on a penalty kill. And that's it right there. They go, they score two goals basically on a power play, and and the game's over from there. So. Yeah. Um, as far as the home field advantage, I think the home ice advantage is going to be huge. I see Carolina winning this game, again, pretty easily. I see Bruins winning back in Game 6 and then Carolina Game 7. That's my, my gut. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think, um, I don't know, I think I think Game 5 will be a lot closer. It, we'll, we'll still lose, but it'll be closer. It'll be like a, a low-scoring like 3-1 loss, something like it's that. It's just so funny, though. You look at all the, after the first few games, all of the talking heads are like, well, Carolina's obviously the better team in every way, mm-hmm. they, and the Bruins have no chance coming back. And I was like, well, it's only 2-0. Like, if it's 3-0, okay, fine. But they were they came back home, and, you know, the Bruins played. Again, they, what, what's going to happen tonight is you're going to have no McAvoy, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's really going to hurt them this game. It, it was They were able to pull it off in one game at home, and some of their – your lower D line guys played exceptional. Yep. You know, can they do that mm-hmm. for a second or third game now that you know the, the Carolina's been Brendan Moore has been able to plan for two days about how do we exploit them not and probably Lindholm, who knows if he's gonna play or not too. So mm-hmm. uh, but it's been a good series and uh but home field advantage, football I think it's not as much as big as it used to be. Yeah. Especially because there's only one team that gets a buy now. And baseball it's not the fans, it's the ballpark and the other thing and in, in basketball Sometimes I mean uh, not yeah. as much though. I mean you're seeing in this series rare, here, rare situation, like, rare situation. Right. I mean, yeah. In game seven, sure, maybe that has a, a yeah. thing. But all right, so we're gonna talk about the 76ers in the Heat series. So Heat were up two nothing. Joel Embiid comes back. Sixers win. They just won the second, right? So it's now tied two two. I I you know I have my own thoughts. I think it's stupid that Embiid they. I don't. I think they did it on purpose. They were like, "Oh, Embiid's not going to play for the rest of the series with that orbital fracture to his face." And then two games later, he's like, "Yep, I'm back and I'm playing." I think it was a whole like marketing thing to get everybody excited. Um, do you think the Heat can pull out the series? I I think the Sixers will win. This is this might be tough. This is a tough series to predict. This is just as tough as the Celtics, in my opinion. I really don't know. It could go either way. But Embiid Embiid certainly made a good case uh, for why he should have won MVP. Uh, with how bad the si- the Sixers played in Miami, just showing mm-hmm. his value, he opened things up for Harden in Game Three, who was the star. And um, if Harden can have a couple of vintage games, it sounds weird saying that because he was really good just like <laughs> two years ago. Yeah. But uh, if he can do that, I think the Sixers can can win the series. Maybe they'll get one of those in Game Five or Six or Seven. Uh, but Joel, I I would I would have given him the edge for MVP over Jokic. I know Jokic won, but um, it was really close. Yeah. I think the I think the Sixers winning six. I think it's I think they're gonna win because uh, again we talk about home court advantage. Miami has it's none. It's the worst. You I do, mean, you, you tune in it's two minutes left in the first quarter, and like there's still a third of the seats that are empty. So yeah. um, that's why I hope the Heat win because I think it'd be a much easier for the Celtics yeah. on that front. No, I think that again it, it's a really it's a tough thing. If if Harden plays, I mean Embiid's gonna play well. So if Harden plays well too, they're the better team. Yeah. You know, the Heat are one of those teams that have you know four or five really good players, not one superstar. I mean Jimmy Butler's kind of close, but he's not you know, as, as big as some of the other guys. Um, so, yeah, I think kind of a, a crazy fight back. In terms of the injury thing, I mean, they didn't technically say he's out for the series. They said he has no timetable for his return. They did get yeah. fined 50 grand. They did, basically right? yeah. calling him out for game three, and then he showed up and played. Um, but that that really only affects one game. I mean, game four, obviously, they knew he was going to play, and they still won the game. So, um, yeah, I think that ga- I think that series is going seven. We need we need one of these series to go seven. You know, we didn't have any oh, yeah. in the first round. We had no upsets in the first round. No series went to game sevens. We really only had one buzzer beater, and that was game one of the Celtics series. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics go to seven for the Bucks. I could see that, yeah. And That's if the Grizzlies won last night, every series would have been tied at two games apiece. That would have been yeah. crazy. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. 
All right, our last topic before we get to our pick the winners, we have uh, some Patriots talk, and this makes me happy because as a Falcons fan, I was okay with our pick of uh, Desmond. Uh, is it is it Riddler Ritter. or Ritter? Ritter. I Ritter. don't think he's good at all. Okay, you took him at a good at a good value. That's I guess. Th- that's what I wanted. That's but I think he's terrible personally. Okay, so uh, I'll give the Falcons. You guys talk about the Patriots. Um, I think if they would have picked him in the first round, I would have been, I would have been a rate. I, I I can't even think because. Everybody else got in the third round. Was it Coral, Willis, Ritter, mm-hmm. and oh, who's Sam Howell? Guy? Howell. They all went no. third round. So um, I think he's a good guy. I don't want Malik Willis. He, he can throw, what, 80 yards in the field? Great. What's that going to do for me when we don't have any wide receivers, right? Uh, can Kyle Pitts go catch that? I thought he was a Superman. Drake, nope. You got Drake London, too. Drake London. I like him, though. I think I think he's okay. But it's a, it's a decent draft for me, and, and you guys did worse, so I'm okay with that. We did worse. Oh, yeah. we did. I mean – well, I don't know. I think here's the thing. I think we got a couple players who could be contributors. The problem is we got them all a round or two too early. Like yep. if you literally take our draft and move everyone down one round, and then you add somebody at the front of it, like one of the cornerbacks that they could have taken at 21. I mean, then I'm like, all right, decent draft because that guard mm-hmm. that they picked, strange. He's gonna play probably day one. He could be a very very good offensive lineman. Even if he does become a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, still was a dumb pick because yep. of where they were and you need so many more so much more weapons they went straight speed the whole way the second round guy i think was a huge huge reach they should yeah. they could have got him in the sixth or seventh round probably yep um i mean yes he was the fastest at the combine all this other stuff so i mean it was a terrible draft day it certainly looks like it right now you know yeah. and, and we won't you don't know for two or three years obviously but it, you know they had just so many holes i think the whole offseason is just baffling to me um i think they're heading for a, a crash of seven and ten something like that i mean uh, offensively, they'll be okay. Defensively, they're they're worse in almost every single position. They're worse yep. at linebacker. They're certainly worse in the secondary. The line, the defensive line, will be about the same. So yeah, their, their offense will be better than last year. They have uh oh my god, uh, Devontae Parker. That'll yeah. be that's a good guy. And imagine Aguilar can't play any worse, and John Smith can't play any worse. And then they're two they're two running backs. They got Ramondre Stevenson now backing up um, Damian Harris. Damian Harris. In a contract yeah. here, he'll yeah. be gone. The so. thing the thing about Cole Strange is to me, it's like it's like even though. I think he'll be decent. Like I've heard, he's like, oh, it'll be the next Joe Thune or whatever. I think I, I want him to fail. I want someone to be like, finally be like, wow, Bill Belichick with these, you know, crazy picks that always work. I want finally not to work and them to be like, yeah, yeah. they've worked for five well, years I think, now. So, yeah. I think it's a little bit of a reality check for everybody that projects everything about the draft that maybe teams big boards are different from most of the analysts yeah. out there and cole strange might have went early second round and so bill sensed that plus they traded back so i don't think it's as bad of a pick i don't like the tyquan thornton pick and i don't like taking running backs in the late rounds we no. do not need that yeah um i just like everybody or quarterback wanted, in the fourth round wanted, yeah <laughs> i just like everybody wanted a linebacker but they do have some guys that they kind of redshirted their first year Is uh, supposed to come in next yeah, year? Magrone, yeah. yeah so we'll see how that those guys pan out so i don't think it's as bad as people think but i i can't completely defend bill on this one i don't really like the draft it's just sad that the most exciting thing about for the season is the patriots are playing in vegas so i'm going to go to the game nice. they, they just announced i think it's going to be week one or two so oh, okay. Ooh, all right so we'll finish up this episode with pick the winners uh this is week five we didn't get to do it last week so the record is uh, i'm winning with 15 and five i'm just i'm just insane at this point you pick the games too i wonder how that is no no, no i i pick <laughs> i've been picking mostly basketball which is i think all of us are, are pretty decent at uh, uh jeff you are 11 and 9 and cole you're a 7 and 13 so you've been picking it up since that uh you're one and six at yeah. one point yep all right okay. so we'll start with uh tonight the first game bruins at carolina series is tied two to two canes carolina all right i i unfortunately have to pick carolina as well Ooh. Oh. it's because it's because you know 
McAvoy's out with COVID. Lindholm, even though they say he's going to play, he's not going to play because he's got a concussion. So yeah. that's it. Okay, game five tonight as well. Suns at the Mavericks. Oh, wait, no, it's opposite way around, right? Mavericks. Mavs at Suns. Mavs, Mavs at Suns. Mavs Mavs Suns. Suns. Yeah, you're right. So Mavericks at Suns, series tied 2-2. I'm going to take I'm gonna take the Mavericks. All right. Uh, I don't feel good about it, but I'll take the Suns. All right, I'm going to take the Suns as well. I think at home, I think it's just a better. Chris Paul's not playing well, and he's got the whole thing about the whole incident. All right, and then we got, as well tonight, we have the 76ers at the Heat. Sixers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll Road go, Warriors today. I'll go six. I'll go 76, 76ers as well. I think. He's uh, got to protect his lead. You know, he's got to protect his picks yeah. lead at this point, you know. Well, yeah, because if, if, if I have to get one wrong, you guys get it wrong too. All right. Game five, uh, Bucks at Celtics, which is tomorrow, I think. Believe yes, Celtics by a hundred bucks. So, am I writing down Celtics by a hundred? No, you? <laughs> Celtics by twenty though. Okay, Cole with the Bucks. I'm gonna go Celtics as well. I think uh, I think they're gonna win that one. And then the final game uh, is tomorrow as well. Uh, Warriors at the Grizzlies. I don't. What I don't game know is if that five five. Six. And I yeah game, sorry, no, sorry five. Sorry. And five. I don't know if John Moran is playing. Did he? He didn't play last night. Hit a he, knee knee. Thing. Yeah, he's definitely questionable. Grizzlies been playing, playing better. It's at, it's at. I'm gonna go Memphis. I think. I think. The, I think that series is over in six. I think the Warriors will close out in six. But yeah, I got Memphis as well. Uh, I gotta go with the Warriors. All right. Well, you're staying staying close to your team. Yeah, I, I see how it I is. can see the Warriors winning that. Uh, I do. I don't know. It, it's always it's always a toss up with these games. But all right, that's gonna do it for episode uh, 23 of Trojan Talk. And thank you all for watching. We'll see you all next week.